This time on episode 358 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we discuss Daredevil Season 3 Episode 11 Reunion and Season 3 Episode 12 One Last Shot. And we discuss weekly Marvel news. I'm David S. Dawson from the Intellectual Podcast, a show that spotlights creatives from all walks of life. Part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other incredibly geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. And I'm producer of the show, SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show. The show is recorded on Thursday, January 7th, 2020, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast New York-wide via www.geeks.live. Come and join our live chat as we record. Ladies, happy National Bobblehead Day! Yay! For those of you who are watching, who are not watching our recording, I brought out my bobblehead of uh, Baby Yoda, little Grubhub. Oh, yeah, with the little cup. He's got his little cup of bone soup. Yes. Aw, This is our first recording, I think, that we've had since the finale of Mandalorian Season 2. Did you both get to watch it? Yes. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited. I, yes, just so good. So good. It was a great episode. I have some predestiny issues that I have to work through, but it was a great episode. But National Bobblehead Day is this whole thing, and I didn't even realize there is a National Bobblehead Museum in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Huh. Well, Milwaukee's got to have more than beer and cheese. Right. Oh, beer and cheese. Yes. I think it has something to do with the uh, the, the baseball team there. But uh, for those that don't know, my son just moved to Wisconsin. He's got a job doing stuff in Wisconsin. And we might talk about that in the post-credit scenes. And there was a lot of cheese and beer and root beer and mm. barbecue, believe it or not. So they're big into their meats and cheese in Wisconsin. But happy bobblehead day. That was a great little, bo- I, I do have some bobbleheads. I just didn't bring them down. Oh gosh. I've got, I've got those little mini pop Funko bobbleheads. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they're not within arm's reach though. So, oh, well, but yes, I have some bobbleheads. I'm not a big bobblehead collector. I know some people are, and we can't forget that our very own Daisy Johnson had a bobblehead on her dashboard. That's true. All right, so enough bobblehead talk for the day, but this is National Bobblehead Day, January 7th, every year. To move on with the rest of the show now, though, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fan-based podcast on the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book Universes. Because of artwork and omelets. If you'd like to talk to us about artwork and or omelets, you can find us at our website, legendsofshield.com. You can leave us a voicemail, 844-THE-BUS-1. It's 844-843-2871.
You can find us on Facebook at Legends of Shield Podcast. Hey, we're on Twitter at Legends of Shield. You can see our lovely faces and a baby Yoda bobble head on YouTube at youtube.com slash gonna geek. You can tell your Amazon device to enable Legends of Shield skill. You can join our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash Discord. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the GunnaGeek.com network. There has been a teaser out now on the GunnaGeek.com network. There is a show that is coming back, but I will wait to fully announce that until it actually does. But we're really excited to bring this show back on the network. And with that tease, which you can find, by the way, at GunnaGeek.com, with that tease, it is now time for us to have our penultimate episode on Daredevil. Not just the season, but the series. Maybe not with the character, as we've discussed, but are you ladies ready for this? So ready. Yeah. All right, here we go. Daredevil Season 3 was published to Netflix October 19th, 2018. We are covering episode 11 and 12. Like I said, this is our penultimate episode on Daredevil. Lauren, why don't you run down the creative team for the first episode that we're covering today, Reunion. Reunion was directed by Jet Wilkinson, who has 28 directing credits starting in 2008 with nine of All Saints, 120 of Home and Away, which is an Australian soap opera, so kind of figures for the large number. One of American Gothic, one of Jessica Jones, five of How to Get Away with Murder, one of Daredevil, two of The Punisher, two of Warrior Nun, and one of Halo, which I forgot that series was happening. The episode was written by Jim Dunn, who has nine writing credits starting in 2004, with two of The Dead Zone, I used to love that show, Two of Crisis, Eleven of Haven, Two of Hand of God, and Two of Daredevil. Oh, and there was another writer on it, I see. Dara Resnick, who also has 11 writing credits, starting in 2007, with Two of Pushing Daisies, another fantastic show, everyone watch it. Two of Mistresses, Five of Castle, Two of Daredevil, and Two of Home Before Dark. Oh, man, I was watching the credits as I was on the treadmill. I saw Jet Wilkinson's name come across. And I was like, ooh, I know this is going to be a good one because we've talked about Jet Wilkinson before on the show. So, Michelle, the second episode that we watched today was One Last Shot. Why don't you run down the creative team for that episode? This episode is directed by Phil Abraham, has 42 directing credits starting in 2007, including one of The Sopranos, two Sons of Anarchy. One of The Good Wife, four of The Killing, one episode of Masters of Sex, 15 Mad Men, one Luke Cage, one of The Defenders, five Daredevil, three Glow, and 15 of Most Dangerous Game. This episode was written by Sam Ernst, who has nine writing credits starting in 2004, two of The Dead Zone, two Crisis, 11 Haven, two Hand of God, and two Daredevil. And again, with this episode we have a rarity because there were only eight episodes ever made of the defenders and phil abram was one of the directors of one of those eight so he had a one in eight shot and that's awesome that we get him again with this by the way there was multiple showrunners for daredevil season three showrunner was eric olison 
We talked about that before. Steven S. Denight was season one, and Doug Petrie and Marco Ramirez were the season two co-show runners. So the show has actually had three seasons and four showrunners, although two were co-show runners, so it wasn't like they switched in the middle of the season, and that is never a good thing, so I'm glad that didn't happen. All right, ladies, reunion and one last shot. I'm actually going to... I'm going to be a rarity here i'm going to ask which one of you wants to start with the meaning behind reunion so which one come on give me a hint which one wants to start sure okay lauren you're up okay just a warning i watched these episodes back to back so i might have them a little muddled in my head but reunion has vanessa and fisk reuniting it has um all three of them foggy karen and matt agreeing to work together and i know there's other stuff there <laughs> all right michelle what did you think does she have it with reunion yeah we we get our core team back together it's about time that we do and yeah my favorite i did like the team daredevil nelson and murdoch sort of look but my favorite one was when Karen caught her editor out, out of the hot dog cart. That was my favorite because it was like, oh, and then he didn't chastise her or anything. No, he's like, I'm still mad at you. But it's like, you know, when somebody that you love did something, they're like, oh, I'm mad at you, but I'm so glad you're here. That sort of thing. It's like that. He is basically her family now. Yeah, we have Detective Mahoney back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We had, we had an, and he had a big role in the episode so that was good so yeah a lot of reunion the other one was one last shot michelle you get first dibs at this one foggy wanted the system to work and for me i think this was the one last shot to get fisk legally as we saw with the grand jury he had somebody in there who knew all of their addresses so that didn't work out but it really was that you know, Matt at the end says, and we're going to talk about it more. We did it your way and it didn't work. And well, also at the end, Dex takes that one shot and ends Nadim's life. So one last shot there. I was wondering, do we think that is Bullseye's last shot or are we going to get some more shooting next time? I don't know. Yeah, that, I mean, it could be. I have no idea. But Nadim took his last shot of, of testifying and, and try to redeem himself and that sort of thing. So, yeah, lots of analogies that you could put there, as well as Vanessa comes back and, and that <laughs> whole storyline. We'll get into it. <laughs> These two episodes are just packed full of stuff. And I'm kind of glad that we've taken basically a month off. I, I don't know the exact weekage involved. It was at least three weeks involved because of the holidays to really take and internalize the series up to that point and then watch these two because these are heavy episodes this whole season is just full of heavy episodes even the slow parts the one-on-one -on -one character dialogue parts are really impactful so you're watching it and normally i'd be like okay can i fast forward through this and rats it's netflix i can't do it unless i'm on a computer and i use a specialized plugin to do it but this you just kind of want to absorb it take it in just because it's got that gravitas to it yeah this season has so few wasted moments all the dialogue has been spot on it's been great and 
I have to add right here before we go any further that I was not right two weeks ago or whenever we recorded two times ago that I was going to say the next episode is when Foggy confronts or not Foggy, Matt confronts his mother, Sister Maggie. It didn't happen the next episode, but I said for sure it's going to be by the end of the next episode. It wasn't. It took until episode 11 for them to actually see each other and they did not have a confrontation. That's another reunion. There you go. All right. So with these episodes, one of the things that I want to talk about, we already touched upon it, was that all of the teen daredevil truths come out between Karen Foggy and Matt. Everything's laid on the table. Karen has poured out her soul of what happened with her brother. Matt has obviously poured out his soul and, and Foggy is saying, hey, look, you know, my family is now involved in this. And it's kind of the, Foggy doesn't have the deep, dark secret, but he's now got to wiggle out of it. And it's very uncomfortable for him. I think he's in the best position of all three of them, to be honest with you. But they're, all their truths come out and lays on the table. So nobody's hiding anything anymore. And they want to work together, which is just a great moment. And it doesn't last long because Karen runs out, but they're all involved. I'd in some ways argue that Foggy has the most to lose because... You have Matt, who's deliberately tried to cut out the personal influences, like the close people in his life. You have Karen, whose father kicked her out. And, you know, basically all she has is them and the people at her work. And they're not talking to her right now. And then you have Foggy, who has a successful social life, has these bigger goals, bigger public facing goals, and who is still if not necessarily on the best terms with his family, still sees them regularly. So, yeah, in in some ways, as we see with Nadim, once you lose the people who are close to you, the people who mean the world to you, like, where do you go from there? And I feel for Foggy. It's not like Foggy became a lawyer and told his family, peace out, I'm gone. I mean, he obviously still has a relationship and he's a lawyer. And why didn't his brother call up his lawyer brother and go, hey, I got this loan offer. Can you proofread it for me? The fact that his brother just blames him for that. And that I think is too much. Foggy should not be blamed for all of that i agree there's also i've noticed okay there's a thing that happens in some communities like some working class communities where if you try too hard if you try to excel it's like they gotta chop you down and it's a whole lot of you think you're better than us and i feel like that's kind of the situation with Foggy and his family. There's very much the sense of what our lifestyle isn't good enough for you. And with his brother, you have that plus the sibling dynamic. I've been thinking a lot lately about my relationship with my own little sister and about just the amount of pride and the amount of grudges that can go into a sibling relationship. It's ugly when that happens, and as we see here, it can lead to some really dumb decisions in the name of pride. 
Yeah, Michelle, you were saying it was one thing that went too far with Foggy's brother. I think this season has a few stories that went a little bit too far in terms of just getting the plot out there. And now that we're towards the end of the season, you can kind of see why they did it. But one of the things that I thought was a little bit too far was Nadim. And we'll talk about Nadim in a holistic fashion later, but Nadim and his relationship with his wife and how that got strained over time. And then she just wasn't willing to listen to him. It was all about the truth and everything. Once we get here, you kind of see why they did that to create that separation. But it was a little bit of a stretch at the time. It was a lot of a stretch at the time. And then, of course, Matt and his relationship with his parents and how he blamed the priest and everything, which is just classic Matt. But I think it's a story that is believable, but maybe a bridge too far and maybe a little bit of a of writer's trope to get there. Fortunately, they're able, the producers and the writers are able to bring all these stories together to create these long story arcs throughout the 13 episodes 12 that we've seen so far and get something out of it. But I would agree that there were a couple of things that I was taken out of the story a little bit like, eh, I don't really think that that would happen, but it did. So the other thing with Foggy is he does create a avenue to pull out of the election and thus saving himself in, in front of his, maybe his family wouldn't be as targeted and that he would not be held accountable by Fisk anymore in order and bring Fisk down all at the same time. So I think he has a stroke, a little stroke of genius there with his plan. And, and I do like that. Foggy always comes up with the kind of cool things and he never likes to rush into anything, which is kind of Karen and Matt's thing that you could argue the whole season happens because the two of them run off and do their own thing. But And Karen, let's move on to Karen. She goes public with her accusation with the help of her editor, and that unfortunately goes awry. But at least I think that was a good multi-prong attack against Fist to have the Nadine testimony, Karen's press conference, if you will, on the stairs. And also her going through kind of a, a redemption to her pat, like she can't be held accountable for things ever. And she has those multiple conversations with Matt. So I think, especially with what we watched with Karen last time, this was a good redeeming episode, even though she didn't have a lot of camera time this episode. You see that with her and Nadim. They're, they're two people who have done wrong in their past. Maybe they did it with the best of intentions. It still didn't work out for them or the people that they loved. And with both of them this episode, there is an attempt to put things right. They're both putting their lives and reputations on the line. In a just world, it would have gone great. Unfortunately, Fisk is Fisk, and the grand jury is basically blackmailed into not indicting. Not only is Nadim kind of shamed with that and put back in the open, but Karen is made to look like a liar. So again, it's they're trying and they just keep getting knocked back down. So Michelle, what did you think about Karen and her continued story arc right here? I liked what she said to Matt about how killing someone, it does change who you are because Karen she so blames herself for her brother's death, which, yes, driving under the influence, you know, and everything and driving angry. We talked about that. 
Um, so she did have a part, you know, in her brother's death. But then killing Wesley, she came clean about that. And she's right. You know, when you do something like that, it can't be undone. And it does change who you are fundamentally. And it's interesting for her to be this. I don't know if I really want to say it's it's interesting that she's a voice of reason for Matt in this situation. Kind of a voice of reason for each other in the second episode. And also, we t- I talked about it before, Sister Maggie. She is used in the first episode, at least. She sees Dex exiting the church, and it's dark, but I was under the impression that she knew that it wasn't Matt that was in the suit. I mean, didn't she have a discussion with Matt a couple episodes ago that he mentioned that somebody was out there using his suit and stuff like that? So I think she knew not to approach him and help him. Correct me if I'm wrong there. I believe that's correct. And she also knows Matt's build because Matt is a different build than Dex. So one thing I noticed this episode that I really, really liked is, okay, I know it's shown before, but it just really struck me this episode. The suit looks ill-fitting on Dex. Like, it's just, it's not quite right. It's like a little baggier i think i was gonna say he he's also the lankier taller brother i thought but yeah you're right it's just it's not complete fit for him although if you just saw him alone it, you wouldn't really notice well yeah but we've had how many hours of watching matt in that suit now well if you count all the fights yeah it's it's out you know hallway fights that go three four hours yeah prison mm-hmm. fights that go half a day <laughs> sort of thing. Uh, she also, Sister Maggie helps Karen and Matt get away. She helps Matt get away. She helps Karen get into protective custody with the New York police, not the feds. I don't know if we're going to see Sister Maggie again. I assume we are. I assume we're going to get a final scene between Maggie and Matt, but I don't know when that'll be in the episode. If it'll be earlier in the episode or if it'll be later in the episode. I'm not sure, but I think we're going to get that final scene between Maggie and Matt. And I don't know if Maggie ends up dying because of it or not i would hope that the showrunners would want her to stick around for a possible season four when they were writing it but who knows agent nadim his art comes to an end the season began with agent nadim remember the wonderful little feint that they did trying to show us that nadim was actually a, a bad guy and it turned out he was an fbi agent and that started his whole story arc, especially with his sister and the medical coverage and stuff like that. But he gets duped into doing some very bad things in order to try to save his family. Like I said, I think it was a, a step too far to say his wife wasn't even going to be interested in talking to him about what his rationale was to everything. She just stood firm on the lying. Okay, it's a one issue thing. But he decides to take a stand in the church and save Karen. And from that point on, you knew he wasn't going to last very much longer. You knew his time under Fisk was going to be done. He actually survives long enough for Matt to come save him and then offer, extend the olive branch for him to redeem himself, to testify against Fisk. They have to fight to get there to the special grand jury that had been convened for this testimony. There was a big fight in getting him there. 
the fight was actually pretty cool where Matt was telling him where to shoot. And it was kind of a little bit of funny because Matt's pointing right to the side of the van and say, shoot here. And then the gunshots are like to the left about a foot, but he still hits the guy. Uh, whatever. Yeah. It was still a good fight with those two, both helping each other and individually pushing their way forward. And you also have Matt basically acting more helpless than he really is uh, to, you know, keep selling that image of himself in case anybody is suddenly questioning like, but wait a minute. I mean, you never know what's going to end up filmed on a cell phone these days. Matt helpless in the bus. That, that was uh, some good acting there. Help. Oh, what's going on? Uh, uh. <laughs> Whack. <laughs> and the to go back. I thought it was interesting that the van they took was called Five Senses Communication. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I laughed. I laughed. They knew what they were doing there. So they get there and then Nadine testifies, but then the jury is already rigged by the fixer. Felix Manning had already gotten to one of the jurors and made him memorize the addresses of all the jurors. And so, of course, they didn't convict him. And then later on, he gets away from Foggy, goes home and he he chooses where he's going to. He knows he's going to die. And he's like, I don't want to die in the house because, you know, that my family's got to live in the house. Uh, I'm just going to sit out here, stand out here, and and you're going to have to kill me here in the in the you know bury me in the pool, which is you know ironic because that's kind of where it really gets him because he was pushing forward not only with getting out of debt from the medical stuff, but he wanted to give Sammy a pool because you know that was a thing, and so he ends up dying in the pool. Kind of ironic, and unfortunately for poor little Sammy, then. You know, he'll he'll probably never get to swim in that pool. But anyway. Yeah. So Nadim had a had a sorry arc, but he did, I think, in the end, redeem himself because he said he was gonna even take the punishment. He's like, Yes, I did the crime, I'll do the time. So it, it wasn't the entire penalty. It wasn't the five years per felony, it was five years total, but it was still five years. And as an FBI agent in prison, I don't know how long he was gonna last anyway. Okay, we haven't gotten to Fisk and Vanessa yet, but again, as after I finished watching and just over the course of the day, you know, we've always made the comparison between Daredevil and Kingpin, but you can also add Agent Nadim in there this season. This past season has been all about communication and sharing things with the people you love. With Matt, we see him with all three characters, Matt, Nadim, Wilson, Fisk. You see them hiding what they think is sordid business from the people they love, despite the people they love constantly being like, but I want to know, don't lie to me. I want to be a part of your life. I want to help, whatever. With Matt, we see the result where, yeah, okay, he does start opening up to his friends again and they come back and they help him. With Nadim, he continues to hide it from his wife and that ends up causing the end of their relationship or would have caused the end of their relationship if you know it had gone on a few more months and all of that and then fisk is like again the dark version of matt he lets vanessa in and we find out she's pretty ruthless and yeah i was impressed at vanessa and i was wondering i meant to go back and check is this the same actor yes okay 
So I was pretty impressed where she came in and you could tell that there was distance where she went upstairs to basically go to sleep and Fisk had to sleep on the couch. Maybe he never slept at all. I don't know. But he's trying and you can tell that she's kind of trying, but there's this definite distance between the two of them. And we find out that really with Vanessa, the distance was that Fisk had been walling off that part of his life to her to protect her, right? But no, she wants all of it. She's seen Fisk. She knows what Fisk is capable of. She wants all in. Fisk gets her all in and she actually makes the call to kill Nadim. And you could just tell the smile on Fisk's face. He was was so proud of her. Was that an actual smile? When you go back, it's not a beaming look because it. what gets me is I think Fisk has this image of Vanessa. I think Vanessa was to him supposed to represent that serene, I want to help people, good, quote unquote, good side, the light side of him. She was love and he didn't want to be dark stuff, but he, he always felt like pressured and so, well, I'm not getting this peaceful path that I want, so please give me your jacket so I can beat you to death with my fist because, you know, I don't know how to appropriately, you know, get my anger out. But now she is there with him. She's in the chair. She makes the call. And I don't know if Kingpin wants a queen pin. I think he really, I really think he wanted her to represent the life he wanted after he didn't have to do crime anymore. I think Fisk wanted to get to a point where this one last job and I'm fine, this one last thing, I'm not going to get indicted. So now I'm going to clear up these last few ends and I'm going to be Wilson Fisk with this beautiful woman who represents all the goodness in my life. And he actually goes to the woman. We find out who owns the painting. Here's her story. He says, I think Vanessa would not want me to take this from you. And then we find out Dex goes to get that painting. He brings, he gets it in there. Vanessa sees the blood on the corner and she's like fine with it. And she's actually happy that the painting is there. And I don't think Fisk is not as happy that Vanessa sat in that chair and made that call as you think. I agree with Michelle. So for the whole episode, like just the whole time since she came back, I thought that Vanessa was getting ready to break up with him. Like Michelle said, there was that distance. She kept remarking his stuff, his men. And again, when that painting with the, oh my God, Dex either beat up or killed a Holocaust survivor. When she didn't seem to have any reaction to it, I was like, wait. And then was the, I don't want to be another thing on display. I want to be part of this. And I think to Fisk, that's the equivalent of the blood being right there in the middle of the rabbit in a snowstorm painting. Yeah, like Michelle said, he has this idealized vision. All the paintings he collects, the airs that he puts on, it's all to kind of, it's all aspirational. It's trying to put as much distance between himself now and the scared, poor kid he used to be. And 
to not have that pure woman there that he can perform for in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think things are going to be changed and not in the, hey, let's be partners together way. Aside from not succeeding, like with Matt and with Karen, when has Dex not tried to kill somebody? He's never like subdued somebody. He's always tried to kill them straight out. So I think the Holocaust survivor is not with us anymore, unfortunately, which, wow, that's horrific in of itself. Yes. As you were pointing out, and he's quite frankly, he's out of control because he's got this buzzing now going on in the background when he's going out of control. You could just hear it rising up. You hear the the confusion, the anger, the the frustration just rising up, the mental instability rising up in it. And he's got to yell or kill something when that happens. You could even see it at the church when he shows up and he tries to control the situation and say that daredevil's inside there. I've seen him go inside there. And then sister Maggie's like, no, I, I, I saw daredevil leave. He's not in there. And he's like, well, I, I saw him go back in. You could just tell that he was a little bit out of control and unbelievable, quite frankly, at that point, but he is off the rails. He's still there. Vanessa's using him now to kill Nadim. He's around. I'm, Wondering how this next episode is going to go. Are we going to see the end of Dex? I don't think so. Are we going to see the end of Fisk? I don't know, but this has to be concluded somehow. We might not get the the complete conclusion version, but within one episode, we got to get to the point where these storylines get to a point where they can stop. With regards to that buzzing, I don't think sound has this season. I think sound has come back as kind of an important element. Remember back in season one, the sound design there was very pivotal in putting us in Daredevil's shoes. And that kind of went away for season two. I don't think it was really at all present in Defenders. But here, the past couple episodes, we see Father Lantum and Karen whispering because they know he can hear them. And then here with the buzzing, again, it kind of brought back that audible clue to what's going on. And it was, I think, an interesting way to put you in the mindset of someone who's under extreme stress. Just that feeling of kind of pressure building up here. They did it with kind of a not quite whistling tea kettle, but enough to kind of remind you of that. Again, I'm wondering where this is going to go. Michelle, do you have any pontifications on where you think this is going to end up next episode i think it's going to end up i don't think fisk is going to get killed i don't think it's going to i think this is going to have the type of ending where the writers were expecting a season four i think that's that's what it really feels like to me that this is like the end of like we're going to get Matt at a, you know, Matt's at a low point technically. And I really think that's where this is kind of going to end. I don't think we're going to get a nice, satisfying ending. Luke Cage season two ended in a way that tied up, you know, it tied up a few things and we can see Luke go in this sort of different direction with this. It might end up where I don't know if truce is the right word, Matt might be cleared 
dare the name of Daredevil might be cleared. But Matt, yeah, I, I I don't think it's going to be a nice happy ending. I I, I just think it's going to be one of those ones where everything's kind of neutral, and it was going to be season four. I would completely agree with. I don't think any of these production teams knew that they were getting canceled when they were doing their last seasons. Mm-hmm. But I think it, the writing was on the wall as things started to cancel. They were like, yeah, no, this is not going to go well with us anymore. And, and we've done tons of news items on and speculation on why that happened, whatever. And like I said at the beginning of the show, Daredevil has been rumored to be in the next Spider-Man movie. No confirmation on that, but it's rumored. And I could see that going forward with the character. It's kind of <laughs> along the lines of, uh, you know, on the Marvel side with what's his name? Uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Deadpool. Uh, Deadpool. Deadpool. Yeah, Deadpool. I, I wanted, kept saying Daredevil and I knew that wasn't right. But yeah, kind of along the lines of Deadpool. Yeah, that's, that's what I think. Mm-hmm. Any last words, Lauren? Looking forward to the finale. Michelle. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well, especially the Vanessa wilson dynamic i want to see how that plays out next next episode yeah it's gonna be fun gonna be fun yeah and next episode will be our finale of daredevil after that we just have two more seasons of the netflix defenders series we've got punisher season two and we've got jessica jones season three and that will be it but after we finish this, we get the wonderful little gift of WandaVision. So we're not going to go straight into Punisher. We're going to talk about WandaVision when it comes out. So more news on that later. In the meantime, before next time we talk about a new napkin, we have some news items. So you ready for some news? Yay! Yeah, here we go. What news do we have? Okay. Speaking of WandaVision, this past week, there was, I think it actually just the past couple of days, there's been a new teaser, just something to tide you over until it actually premieres. And at first, when they announced the show, I was like, eh, okay, whatever. And now I'm more excited with every teaser I see. Have either of you seen this newest one yet? Are you talking about WandaVision? Yes. I've only seen the one where she starts out as the 50s black and white housewife. Yeah, this one starts out that way, too. There's a little bit more footage. It's fun to see the callbacks to old TV shows, like the combo of like the Dick Van Dyke show and Bewitched, then the very Brady Bunch thing and the who's the boss looking thing. Yeah, I'm really excited because I grew up watching like the Dick Van Dyke show and Bewitched on Nick at Night and... Yeah, all of those shows. So I'm, I'm very excited. Whenever I think of WandaVision, I think of the fact that we saw them together, but we didn't really see a lot of it. I mean, the relationship was there on screen, obviously, but it wasn't like drawn out or anything. It was more of an implied relationship. Right. It's one of those things where it would be nice to see more on the screen. Regardless of how this comes about, it's going to be fun seeing the characters on the screen, even though we know how everything ends up. Yeah, I'm still not a fan of the age difference between the actors, but I'm really excited for the show. 
Yeah, unfortunately, that happens in Hollywood and has been happening in Hollywood for quite some time. I mean, one of my favorite guilty pleasure John Wayne films is The Train Robbers, and that was the one where he had the age difference relationship. And that was the last time he said, no more. I'm not going to do this anymore. It's got to be age appropriate. So even John Wayne knew that it wasn't going to work all that great. And speaking of Spider-Man 3, according to express.co.uk, there's rumors that Tom Hardy's Venom and Jared Leto's Morbius have been cast. Again, I think right now it's only rumors. We do know that WandaVision's multiverse is going to be crossing over into the Spider-Man 3 movie. And again, also rumored to be reprising their roles. Tobey Maguire, Peter Parker, Andrew Garfield, Peter Parker, Kristen Dunst, Mary Jane, Emma Stone, Gwen Stacy, Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange. We know that one for sure. Jamie Foxx as Electro, Alfred Molina as Doc Ock, Michael Keaton as the Vulture, and Michael Mondo as Scorpio. So, we'll see. I could see why Sony's going down this path, especially after... All of the team ups and, and all the ensemble cast movies that and TV shows that have done well in the past couple of years with superheroes. I kind of understand that. What I don't understand is why Marvel slash Disney is allowing so much crossover from their characters into this. I don't understand that relationship because in the end, this is still Disney property. It is not Sony property. It's still no Spider-Man is still Sony. It's still a partnership. Right. Yes, that's my. It's a partnership, but the characters that they bring over are from Disney, and I'm just. Tr- it's amazing to me the floodgates that are being let open from Disney to take part in the Sony movie. They saw how successful Into the Spider Verse was, and they have Doctor Strange, and they had a whole bunch of time travel and alternate timelines, and they figured, why not do that? And I think from a business perspective, right now, all of the studios are scared. 2020 was not a very good year for movie studios. And I think there might be a thinking of, well, Civil War, I mean, not Civil War, Endgame was a success, and that was a huge crossover. And Into the Spider-Verse was a huge success. So what if we mash these two up? And I just really hope that they don't overstuff the movie. I feel like they are I feel like people think that it seems like they're promising a lot. I think they might be trying to promise a lot. I'm worried that they are overpromising. Depends on how long it is. And if it's anything like the CW Arrowverse crossover with Crisis on Infinite Earths, the crossovers that we got, the cameos that we got were literally 5 seconds. I'm kind of hoping it's something like that because Again, the focus of the movie should be on Peter Parker, not the like I've had a problem with movies lately where they throw it seems like movies like to throw in one too many villains. You saw this with Spider-Man 2 in the Andrew Garfield version. You saw this recently with Wonder Woman 84, in my opinion. When you divide an audience's focus like that, I think you are doing the story and the characters a disservice. I can see too many villains. Even Endgame, the main villain was Thanos, and the focus was always on Thanos, even though there were other villains involved. And you had 
people that were crossing in between the heroes and, and the villains, Loki and uh, what's her name? The sister from Gamora's sister. Nebula. Nebula. I was going to say Nova and I knew that was wrong. Nebula going back and forth. So you had that, but Thanos was always the bad person and that they were trying to save what he had put in motion. But when you get, yeah, something like Wonder Woman, which we haven't talked about what, I mean, this is a Marvel podcast, but we all obviously saw Wonder Woman when it came out. Thank you very much, HBO and HBO Max, Warner Brothers for doing that, by the way. I mean, it was, it was entertaining. It was nice to sit down and watch it, but there was just so many, I mean, that's a whole podcast on its own to, yeah. to go over what was good and what was bad about it. Cause there were good stuff about it, but there oh, was. Oh yeah. No, overall, I liked the movie, but I also have a lot of complaints about the movie. Same here. All right. So we're all in agreement. That's great. All right. That's it for the news this week. So what we're going to do is uh, we've decided that we need to charter a flight out of Montreal and just get out of here. All right. 2020 is over. We're into 2021. I want to thank you, everybody, for listening to our episodes talking about Daredevil, especially since there is a Charlie Cox rumor in Spider-Man. That would be cool, even if it's a five second cameo. So thank you very much for sticking with us there. Thank you very much to all of our listeners. We hope we were able to make your 2020 a little stressful. And if in the future, whenever you're listening to this, watching this, whatever, if it is a stressful time for you, then we hope that we can be a little bit of a distraction. I think you meant to say a little bit uh, less, stressful. less stressful. Okay. Yeah. What? Yes. Yes. Okay. What, what, what <laughs> SB said there. Okay. Uh, yes. Thank you to everyone who's listening, downloading, interacting with us on Twitter or Discord. I'm a Discord person. And yeah, just just thank you. All right. So thank you, everybody else. We will see you in one week with our recording of the finale in Daredevil. And then it's off to WandaVision. <laughs> For those who are listening, SP just did like goggle hand motions. Yeah, over my glasses. All right. See you, everybody, next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Hello. Hi. Oh. I... Did not get any news or feedback. It has been a couple days. Yeah. I mean, not all bad. We should hopefully find out tomorrow if... Okay, so the condo we're looking at, we found out there's eight people, including us, bidding on it. 
Oh. Yeah, so we'll see if we're the ones that get it tomorrow, hopefully. Hopefully tonight. I have my phone with me just in case. Scott's going to text me if she gets back to us with a yes or no. Wow. That's serious. Buying a condo and stuff. Yeah. It's uh, really exciting. (laughs) Scary. A little scary. Hello. Hey, guys. Just letting you know, I'm going to have my phone with me in case Scott texts to tell me that um, whether or not, if they call tonight to let us know whether or not we're the ones who won the bid on the condo. Okay. I would like it to be tonight because we are both very stressed. Yep. But. When I bought my house in 2003, yeah, November 2003 is when I closed. In February? Maybe it was January. February or January. Yeah, it was early in the year. And I think it was maybe later, late, maybe March. So the weather was, it was cool, but it was warmer. Anyway, I went out to go see a house. I've been looking for houses for like six, eight months, something like that. Yeah. Could not find one that had everything that I wanted in it. Yeah. And this was back almost at the peak of the housing market before the crash in 2007. So things were going pretty fast and I bid on a house. It was on the market for one day. We were, I don't know, the fourth or fifth showing. And we had already received word that there were two bids. Yep. So I asked my realtor straight up, I want this house. What do I need to do to get the house? And she hemmed and hawed. And there, there are things that you could do. There, there are clauses that you can put in for a competitive bid. Yeah, we, we have a budget and it's on what we bid. But she called us with basically that call today. We called with something a little towards the higher end of our bid uh, or of our budget. Yeah. And we're going to see if that's enough. <laughs> so I bid $15,000 over the asking price. It's about what we're doing. And I did not get the house because the, one of the other bidders had a, a cash offer an immediate mm. closing and I was outbid. Yeah. If I would have put a clause in there, a multi, it's, I forget the name of the clause and it could be different from state to state anyway, but in effect, the, what the clause did was gave me if they denied the bid, it would actually give me the legal right to bid again huh. and and give a higher offer. So it's a legal thing here in my state. And I did not put that in because the realtor didn't tell me about it. Mm. And there was four total bids. And I, I forget what it was. It was like five, six o'clock at night. We were called and we were told that, or I was called, house is under my name. I was called and I was told that I didn't get the bid. And only after that did I start doing research. Now, remember, this is the early ages of the internet. It's the, it's not the dark ages of the internet, but it's the early ages of the internet. So stuff was not as available as it is today. And I started finding out about all these clauses that I could, there was like a total of four clauses that I could have put in. Yeah. And my realtor did not put one in and I got miffed at the realtor. So the realtor kept on going back and forth with me trying to get another house and there just wasn't anything and i was yeah there's okay so the houses 
right now in our area because all the tech people are moving into Austin and right. all of the stuff is up here on the north side. So the north side is building out. So there's not much close to the freeway, which is where we currently are. This place is just two blocks down from us, which we want to stay like in this area. If this doesn't go for us, we're going to have to look on the other side of Leander, which I really don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Or you could wait for something to, to pop up. The whole thing is um, the houses are like the prices are jumping and the turnover. There's very little turnover and people are just snapping up to buy them. So. Wow. Even with COVID going on. huh? Yep. Especially with COVID, because Austin's is a nice place to go in terms of suburbia. Yeah. And away from the, what do you call it? The Silicon Valley, the San Francisco area, and New York, and, and other areas like that. So they're moving. Austin is one of the places where people are moving, but they're moving all over the place. Indiana, Ohio, Minnesota, just Colorado. They're moving. Yeah. In, as long as they could telework, they're moving in everywhere. And so after that whole debacle... I ended up firing, well, I signed a contract with our builder and I built a house with the specs that I wanted. Wow. Unfortunately, I'm regretting building because they slapped this thing together and yeah, that's the whole problem with the wall. I've got a second wall now at the front door with problems, stuff like that. But I signed the contract without my realtor. My realtor found out two days later or a day later, two days later. Mm. called me and bitched me out that I did not include her, did not have her in. And and honestly, I probably should have, but I was so pissed at her. I basically fired her and she was going back and forth. And I said, you didn't even tell me about any of those clauses. And she was shot back with, with something like, I, I didn't think that they were good for you or whatever. Mm. And I'm like, no, I wanted the house and you did not make that possible. So you're fired. Yeah. Is what what I what I told her. You know, I, I I seriously tell, told her she was fired, and she did not take that well. The realtors that we're currently working with, they're the ones who got my friend Mary her house, and they're really open, really very good lines of communication, very willing to work with us. Good. Also, I cut my finger while I was making dinner. Of course. Yeah. Of course. I was um. Uh, trying to it was so stupid it was i was trying to take i sliced some zucchini i was trying to put it in a bowl and um, i picked it up with the knife the blade side towards my hand and when i was trying to push it off my finger just Mm. but it's not bad it's just painful you know i didn't even bleed much i've been watching the, the clone wars and i got to the end of season five i think it was the end of season no six i thought you said well, it was in season six, uh-huh. near the end of season six, that Dooku and Palpatine were doing the, the vision magic, and Palpatine yeah. needed to cut the hand for the drop of blood from Dooku mm-hmm. to do that. And I was like, huh, yeah, that's not very sanitary. You know, my mind went to, Lauren would not approve of this. Oh, no, no, you, <sighs> bothers me so much when people yes. are like, we need blood for this promise, this magic, whatever. I'm like. Okay, you're going to be using your hand, oh. though, and that knife is dirty. Especially from Palpatine. I you sterilize the knife. Oh, God. I had a doctor's appointment, and he had to draw blood, and I am a hard stick. I am mm. such a hard stick. And not even my hand. He had to take it 
from here. Oh, God, that's so painful. Oh, it hurts. Like, I. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you don't understand. Uh, when I'm in the hospital, I've had like a shunt put in mm-hmm. in my upper arm because I was bad. When I had my pancreatitis, they had stuck me so much. They either had to use the ultrasound or they had to take it from my fingertips. Mm-hmm. That's how bad I am. Like, but yeah, I used to have really good veins and be a really good bleeder when I used to donate <laughs> blood. And um, the past few years, it's like everything just shriveled up. When I went in for surgery, they were trying to put the IV in and they went in the arm. I usually have IVs or not IVs, but like get blood from. And I ended up with this huge bruise because it just didn't want to stay in. So I just bled into my skin. They tried the other arm that didn't really work. So they had to go through my hand. And when I woke up, they had put it back in my arm. But yeah, the hand hurts so i know and yeah anyway yeah so one last thing before we start my daughter uh taylor that's a nurse at the hospital or a nurse assistant at the hospital she got her vaccine signed up for uh, the first shot on january 18th good so that is scheduled for her and that will be the first one in our family that gets it that we know of my sister my mentally handicapped sister is kind of next on the list mm-hmm. but we'll see uh, we we had to sign the permission paperwork for her a couple of days ago so yeah it getting rolled out yeah. that's good yeah. yeah my nurse friend got hers today so sweet do you know if it was the moderna or pfizer no my cousin joe got his because he's not a he's not a chief of the potawatomi but he's on the like like he, if if it was old times he would be a chief but he's on their council so because, you know, on a reservation and so yeah. all that, he, he got his already. Copyright 2013 through 2021. <laughs> Hooray. And we're out. Yeah, I won't get a chance to update that because I didn't get a chance to update that when Taylor was here and now she's not and she won't be back for uh, definitely like a month. So, oh, well. Can you just put your own voice in for that one line? I might, yeah. Yeah. Or maybe I'll ask uh, this this really neat voiceover artist that I know of <laughs> to say that little phrase. I can, uh, yeah. I did watch Greyhound. I, I don't know if you've watched Greyhound's Tom Hanks movie about the World no. War II um, uh, destroyers that were um, uh, escorting the caravan across uh, the Atlantic. I did watch that on Apple TV plus cause I bought a new iPhone and they gave me a year free of Apple TV plus. So I'm like, okay, what's on Apple TV plus that I want to watch. Well, let's start with Greyhound. So watch Greyhound and it was wall to wall action. There was like, there, there was a plot in a story and if they had non pandemic time, they might've been able to flush it out. And this is one of the first things that Tom Hanks produced by himself. Mm. It was wall to wall action. And I like world war two movies. And I like action movies and I like Tom Hanks, but that movie was rough to get through. And that's how I feel about Punisher. It's just rough to get through. And I'm finding, yeah, I'm finding myself being able to watch Stargate at 1.5. I could see that. Yeah. Stargate. It's, it's a good thing. Okay. I love the show. And once you've seen it, it's a really good thing to have on in the background. Mm Mm-hmm.
It's kind of dated now. It's like over 20 years old. Oh my yeah. God. That oh my God. The episode, my the episode 2010. I'm like going, that's what they thought we were going to be wearing. <laughs> it's like, oh my I, God. God, I love that show. I love that show. So oh much. my God. And then, you know, it's, oh, yeah, it's funny. Um, I think it's like a gap in my sci fi knowledge and stuff because I, I never was able to really like actually watch it all. Mm-hmm. So I, I like being able to, yeah, I have lost count about how many times their memories have been effed up. <laughs> like, oh my, okay. So Daniel dying is a running joke in the fandom. It's even referenced uh, again. It was referenced in Wormhole Extreme. Yeah, yeah. It's referenced a bunch of times. It's uh, he even mentions it like yeah. the latter seasons. Yeah, yeah. I don't like the Carter O'Neill ship. I really don't. That it grows on you over time, but I can understand where you come. Especially, I had a problem with it because of the whole fraternization in uniform. That is. Especially if you're on the same in the same unit, yeah. Amusingly enough, my uh, friend who's in the Air Force or was in the Air Force, uh, that was like one of her favorite ships for a while. And she every fanfic she would write, she would figure out a way to make that not an issue. <laughs> like, okay, well, Sam's transferring to another thing, and okay, now it's less of a problem. And one of my favorite, mo- I did like that time loop episode. That was a good That's one. That's my favorite episode. That is, that is a really good one. Like in the middle that of my back my swing, favorite. really. Um, yes. But I, I like that moment where he was like, here's my resignation. Why are you resigning? He's like, oh, because I could do yeah. this. And he kisses her. <laughs> that um, was great. I that was kind of funny. Oh, yeah. But, you know, but there's, of course, yeah. consent issues. But I thought, you know, it was kind of funny. I and think that was, I, you know, I think this is before everybody attracted, it, but I think that was the highest rated episode. It wouldn't surprise me. Also, 200 once you get there. Oh, my God. Is really that good. is my second favorite. Well, okay. Yeah, it's, it's, um, not Wormhole. It's, um, what's the time loop episode called again? I'm blanking out on it. Something at the end. I, I can't remember that. I'll remember it later. Um, but it's the time loop episode, then 200, then Wormhole Extreme. I oh, haven't gotten favorites. there. Yeah, yeah I'm 200 in, is quite a way. Yeah. yeah, I'm in the middle of season five. 200 is in the middle of the last season, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So <laughs> got a ways to go. There's some good jokes in that one. Right. I think, um, what's his name? The guy that plays Jack O'Neill. Henry Dean Anderson. Richard Dean Anderson. Richard yeah, Dean Anderson. Yeah. I think he directs that episode. I would not be surprised. 200. And yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, it is is really it, the writers really pulled that one off. It is, I, it is a good yes, one. Yes, it's it's stuff in that is still a running joke it, to this. It time. takes 199 episodes to get 200, though. You can't of course. you can't pull off 200 like in the second season or third season. It did take eight seasons to get it get to it so i've been okay when we were mentioning steven denied earlier i've been just really wanting to rewatch spartacus lately i never finished that i got like in the middle of season two okay there are three bits of entertainment that i've cried myself dehydrated during battlestar galactica when gata died Critical Role, the end of Campaign One, and the end of Spartacus. You didn't cry when you saw Luke? 
No, I was just like, yay! I'm going. How how were people surprised? I mean, it's like right? what other Jedi who's going to come in with a cloak with the black glove and the green lightsaber? Yeah, it's once like the X-wing like, showed up, I was like, like, oh. Yeah. Well, see, I had a problem with the timeline. I thought we were post nine, so I thought that was no. Ray that oh, was no, showing no, up. No, 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 it's, no, 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 no. It's, it's like five it's years after, years after Return, Return of the Jedi. Jedi. It's always been five. Yeah. Well, I I did not know that. Oh. oh. Oh, that's why uh, that's why there's a lot of like basically hinting at the upcoming First Order. Yeah. With uh, Moff Gideon, especially yeah. in that last episode. I thought yeah. it was the next First Order mm-hmm. that was coming. No. So, I mean, if you rewatch it, you can see my thought process of I didn't know where it was. Because uh, they talk in. about um, they talk about Hosnian Prime. Yeah, and they also talk about her being like, and they they have like remnants of the New Republic and the New Republic this and all right. that. Type. Yeah, but but I th- I just thought and it was they still the have next. stormtroopers. Yeah. Well, yeah, they had stormtroopers at the end. I mean, different the stormtroopers in. No, well, I guess they have different. They do have different armor in the. Yeah, it, it's last. original trilogy um, stormtrooper yeah. armor. Yeah, yeah. but. I did get to the first episode of season seven of the Clone Wars and yeah, the uh, animation and the storytelling and every, it just ratches it up. It came so far. Like yeah. I remember when the movie came out and I was like, this looks like, and I was like, what are you talking about? It's just the Gendy Tartofsky stuff, but 3d. There was a Clone Wars movie. Don't watch it. Oh, well, no, it really what it is, is the first three episodes, but then someone got the bright idea to shove them together and release them into theaters. Okay. It shows where Ahsoka comes in and the first time that she encounters Ventress. And there's a lot of callbacks to it in the series, but it's honestly, you can skip it. Yes, skip it. That was when that came out. I was like, oh, my God, Ahsoka is so annoying. And. And then now she's just like one of my favorite characters and she's wonderful. The thing was, especially in like season four and five, I could actually see Rosario Dawson in her face. (laughs) And of course, Rosario Dawson, it was years later that she was actually cast as adult. So the whole thing is Rosario Dawson was cast because of the fan casting that happened on Twitter a few years ago, right. um, Dave Filoni saw that and was like, huh, wouldn't it be funny if, and reached out to her. And she was like, are you kidding? Of course. Well, that was cool. But yeah, the first episode, and honestly, I, I'm going to have to rewatch it because I was in and out of it. But I was just watching it going, wow. And it, I've seen Rebels, so I kind of, it was the Bad Batch. It was oh, what yes. the episode yes. was titled. Oh. I love them. And I they're can't getting wait for the that. movie. I know. They deserve and it. And Ming Na Wen is supposed to be a character in it, and she's going to be voicing uh, the same character she did in Mandalorian. So I am having a problem with Predestiny, especially with Luke showing up. I had a problem with that in the Mandalorian. And what do you mean, Predestiny? I, I'm not. Yeah, what? Because I know how everything is going to oh. uh, end up. Technically, that is dramatic irony. Whatever you want to call it. When the viewer knows something, the characters do not. Right. I know Luke ends up as a bumbling idiot. And I, I just, don't think he ends up as a bumbling I, idiot. That's the portrayal that I saw on the screen. I saw someone who is disillusioned. Well, yeah, there's that. But that was not the Luke that I had in my head. So I just got very disenfranchised with it. So 
I would love for the Star Wars universe to move beyond nine. Honestly, yeah. The uh, High Republic stuff, I think, just came out this week. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. But that's honestly, all... I'm really behind with the current EU. But that's all what a thousand years before. Yeah. 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 Okay. I love the like the old Republic period and all that. It's like okay. This is the time when the Jedi were what? Like, basically, the Jedi that we saw in the prequels, they were trying to be those Jedi. They were, it was like, I'm trying to think of a comparison. You always have people who are like, oh, it was so much better in the past. And, you know, you had the, the frontier and you were able to go and just do all this stuff. And they're constantly trying to, like, make their own lives that heroic or what they picture is that heroic and that in my opinion is what the prequel era jedi were to the old republic jedi is they're trying to live up to the legends and because of you know reality and how far the galaxy's come since then everything getting bogged down even more in bureaucracy than it you know was they were never going to be that but they didn't know it like, there's a line in the Revenge of the Sith novelization. It's when Yoda's fighting Palpatine, and he realizes he's going to lose. The Jedi are going to lose because the Jedi have been training for the Sith War from thousands of years back. And the Sith, all that time, were in training for the next one. Yeah. And, yeah, it's... I, ask me about my Star Wars opinions. Yeah. <laughs> we could be here for a while. Yeah. But no, thank you, thank you for like indulging me with my text about Stargate when I just pop oh, it's in. awesome. Oh, it's making me so happy. I love <laughs> when people are watching things that I love, and I'm like, oh, you're experiencing this for the first time. What do you think? Yeah, I want to go back and watch it myself, and I just I, there's other things I want to watch before that. There is so much yeah. TV out there. Yeah, but it's just like when I love because I love that the robots came back. With that whole, like, what? You really expected us, who were you, just to sit around <laughs> and fix something all day? Like, we're, of course, we're going to go out there and do and figure stuff out. And the fact that they died, and, and you know, yeah. and Martuf died, and it was like, Scott said, Oh my God, someone cared about Martuf when you texted that. Oh my, I can't, I loved Martuf. And seeing a young JR born, I'm like, Hello. Yeah, see, in <laughs> retrospect, I'm like, oh, okay, I see. But yeah, I hated Martouf at the time when I watched really? it. A lot of people did. Yeah. Oh it, wow. I don't know. For some reason, I just I think it's there. It was the Sam's forced romance interest thing. You had a series of characters for both Sam and Daniel that were like, "Hey, you're going to be the designated love interest." And they were all just so shallowly written. Like you see it later on with, or, or I guess you've already seen her. What's her name? I, I want to say like Anissa or something like that. The one with the really full lips. Maybe she shows for up. Who? For who? For, for Daniel? Daniel? Yeah. I know she, right now it's I Sarah. She up with There's Sarah who's in, in and has Osiris, who's yes. Osiris right she now. She was, okay, I liked that. Yeah, but, she was supposed to be, but then. Yeah, but I got, I, cause I got, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting because Sam was like, I just don't know. I'm like, what am I feeling? Cause she's also with that Nareem guy, the Tolan guy. 
Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, there's him. I just think it's funny when like certain people call up and Jack is like, oh, it's them who won't give us their technology. And Jack's continued irreverence <laughs> towards space life just gives me life. Yeah. And, and that whole like, I don't like Jack O'Neill, like, I don't like how you treat your children. I'm going to take, I'm going to kidnap one of yours and take them to a school so they learn how to play so I can completely change your society. <laughs> I, yeah. Like, Stargate, particularly SG-1, have never heard in their life of the Prime Directive. Yeah. Yeah. They're just, yeah. I thought, I thought, I thought Cisco was bad with the Prime Directive. You know, <laughs> oh, we're please, going to. We're going to start since we've, we're about to, we already finished Picard. We finished Lower Decks. We're about to finish the season of Discovery. We're going to start watching DS9 this weekend. I've never seen it. Oh, the only thing I I know about it is that people made Babylon 5 comparisons, but I love Babylon 5. So I think I'll like this. And I love Alexander Siddig and he's in it. And oh, I love Garrick. Oh, I love Garrick. This isn't the one with Seven of Nine, right? That's Voyager. That's yep. Voyager. Okay, I'll have to watch that at some point because I really, really loved Seven of Nine in Picard. Yeah, Seven of Nine, she didn't come in until, I can't remember what season it was, season three Five? or season four. What, was it later on? She yeah, wasn't was there later from the on. beginning? Yeah. No. no. No, she's like oh. season four or five. She comes in late. What's her name was in there before? The the alien that was... Net- Tess? Tess. Tess was there and then they brought Seven of Nine in to Later. replace Tess as a character on the show. It wasn't a direct yeah. correlation. Yeah. But because Tess yeah. left, they brought in Seven of Nine. So weird. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. Jerry Ryan was a late ad. Oh, cool. Okay. I'll keep texting you guys because I. Yeah, please do. I'm just. Yeah. It makes me so happy. It always comes in at the weirdest times. Like, I'm like, okay, <laughs> this makes sense that Michelle is watching TV right now, but. I'm like doing something completely different. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. It's like, maybe I should watch TV now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's great. It's great. It's always great timing. Like it's out of nowhere. It's like, (laughs) yeah, I know. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's fun. Yeah. It's like a nice little surprise. I love it. So I don't know if I ever told you guys my story of how I started watching Stargate SG-1. Sure. So I watch the movie obviously but then i'm like yeah whatever for stargate sg1 besides it was on showtime and i didn't have showtime i didn't have cable back then anyway so fast forward a few years and i get cable and battlestar galactica is on and i'm watching battlestar galactica first two seasons i start taping and then it was on friday nights on the sci-fi channel Mm -hmm. so i put a tape in and like i'd go off to one of my son's hockey games or whatever so i'd have to watch it later normally when I'm on the treadmill and watch it via VCR. So I found out that um, my VCR programming skills didn't always match up exactly with the time. So I'd always go plus or minus like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, something like that. So at the end, I'm on the treadmill and I'm watching Battlestar Galactica and then it flips over to Stargate SG-1. So I'm watching like the first five, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever of Stargate SG-1. I'm like, huh, what's going on here? So then one night I decide to go, okay, I'm just going to record the entire night of sci-fi. And I did that for a few nights. And so I'm, I'm watching this just out of curiosity. And then finally, so this is like 2005. So it's like season seven of Stargate SG-1 and it is season two of Battlestar Galactica. 
And and finally, and just my mind is now. Wait a minute. How did they get from the movie? Because they're the same <laughs> characters, right? How did they yeah. get from the movie to here? So I'm like, ah. and I forget how I did, but I got a hold of the first season. I might have uh, recorded them as they were coming up on Sci-Fi Channel, or whatever. And I started watching them. And then within a year, I had caught up and I was like, this is the best thing ever. It was my first binge watch, basically. It was awesome. I remember I got into it. Okay. Back in college, Scott and Mary were like, because, okay, I was really nerdy, but it was like, I didn't have anybody in high school and middle school to be like, okay, you need to watch this. So I was just kind of, I, I was Star Wars and Dragonlance and those were my things. And so we were kind of like, filling they were like oh okay i think you'd like this so i watched like we we went all through uh babylon 5 like my freshman year so then sophomore year we start they're like okay you you've never seen sg1 because mary was like writing fanfic i think so we're like okay well now you gotta watch sg1 so i binged all of that season seven was on that year and Okay, similar thing. I yeah, binged all the way through it. Then Heroes Part One and Two happened, and we were all very upset and sad because yeah. And then the next year, okay, with the rest of the seasons, and I think this may be why those seasons never connected to me. Eight, nine, and ten. We moved off campus. We were all in the same apartment complex. It was like me, Mary, and a couple friends of ours in one. Scott. Mary's ex-boyfriend, ex-husband, I guess, and some of their friends in the other apartment. We did not have the sci-fi channel. So at first we were like, okay, we'll go to uh, the student center on Fridays and commandeer one of the TVs and we'll watch it there. And that lasted like one week. And then every time we'd get there, people would, you know, be using them. We would try to go to the communal TVs on the south side of campus and nothing. So we just fell behind. And by the time I moved into an apartment again that had sci-fi, it was season 10. So I got to see 200. And then I didn't know what was going on. So that's also why I didn't see BSG until like right around when season 2.5 was airing. My mother-in-law had actually taped like season one and two up to that point. So she was the one who lent us her videos and we watched it that way i was all in from the miniseries i couldn't wait but after the miniseries i can't remember when they greenlit the series but after the miniseries i was like waiting oh five oh four oh five and remember the miniseries was supposed to happen right around 9 11 yeah and it didn't air until 2003 yeah so the the actors were under contract. That that was just a mess the whole way through because they went through the writer's strike too. Yeah. Oh God, that whole strike was a mess. They had to live through that on the show, both things. I, there were so many good shows that got just screwed Destroyed. over by the yeah. Journeyman. Yeah. Did any did any of y'all watch Journeyman on NBC? No. Nope. It was a great show. It was um, Kevin McKidd from Rome, and I guess Grey's Anatomy, whatever, was in it. And I watched it because Rome had just finished up. And I love, 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 love Rome. Mm. So I was like, okay, support his new project. And I watched it. I was like, oh, this is actually really cool. I really like these characters. I really like the plot. 
of, you know, the, the guy who's basically time jumping, but it's to like events from his family's past and his ex-fiance he thought dead also has these time hopping powers. And it's it was building up to something really good. And then the writer strike happened. It ended on a cliffhanger. I have never forgiven NBC. Yeah, I will never watch it. The last NBC show that I watched was Timeless. Um, I watched The Good Place. Uh, I started watching that, but never got through it. Okay. It's, it's on Netflix. It's, it's on Netflix now, and it's so good. And it's a wonderful, complete story. So, yeah. okay. And it holds well, up to rewatch because I actually rewatched it. Really it really does. Okay. I rewatched uh, season one with my parents right before my dad's surgery last year. I was like, okay, well, they need cheering up. So I'm going to put this on Netflix. Timeless was okay and, and just okay. It wasn't something like some mutts watch or anything. And they I did wanted end to it. see it because Matt Lanter was in it. Anakin's voice from Clone Wars, but I kept missing it. It's on Hulu. Yeah, it's on my it's on my list. I just there's so much stuff on my list right now. <laughs> it's not on Peacock. It's on Hulu. I think eventually it'll transition over to Peacock. So that made me think of Queen's Gambit, which I'm right. still in the middle of the first episode. And that made me think of this week's Being the Elite. There was a Queen's Gambit parody with wrestlers, one of whom is his whole thing is he's a wrestling dinosaur. And he was wearing the red wig and playing chess <laughs> against a himbo. It was lovely. That's funny. It was so good. That's another thing that's on my list. Yeah. Queen's Gambit was really good. Yeah, because the SG-1 episodes, first off, they're 45 minutes because of without commercials. And then when I watch it at 1.5, they're 30 minutes. So it's like yeah. an episode of anime. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's how come I've been able to get through. I was wondering how much time you were spending in front of a TV. Yeah. Not that I'm judging. I'm not judging. <laughs> yeah, I... What are the deets on the condo? Is it like two bedrooms, three bedrooms? Okay. How many baths? It's a three-bedroom house with an extra room that's set up to be a media room. And okay. we think we're going to continue with that. Two full baths. It's a condo, so there's an upstairs and downstairs. But the stairs are configured such that if worse comes to worse, we can put in a chairlift if things get really bad. But the master bedroom's on the first floor. It's got this huge open space where the living room is like there's a, a balcony and that area we're going to like right by the balcony we're planning to use as like a gaming space. Scott wants to build a gaming table and we're going to put that there. And yeah, it's open. It's in exactly where we want to be like this part of town. It's within our price range. We're walking through. I'm like, I can already see what colors I'm planning to paint some of the walls here. I can see where I'm going to put some of the furniture. The kitchen is fantastic. It has granite counters, two-car garage, no yard. So I'm very happy with that because I do not want to do yard upkeep. Definitely not there. Yeah. Yeah. We're right by a green area. So I want to get a dog so I could just, you know, take the dog out and go walking. It's plenty of space, so Pike and whatever cat we end up adopting probably later this year can have lots of space to run around inside. Windows so they can see birds, places for me to put bird feeders, places on the wall for us to hang our art. It's literally the only downside that we can find right now is that it doesn't get fiber cable yet. We have fiber, fiber internet here. 
and this is two blocks away and they don't have fiber yet. But their internet speed is still pretty good. Like we were getting basically 25 megabytes at our old place because they were throttling, even though there was a lawsuit against it. And this place gets 200 or if you pay the premium per month, 300 or 600, something like that. Does it have a decent space for you to record? Oh, yes. No, that was the first thing we looked for. I found my recording closet. It's exactly the right size. It's like this size. I can actually now if it's walls that I own, I won't feel bad, you know, nailing in soundboards and everything. Mm -hmm. I'm I really want this house. I really want this house. Uh, I don't, I, okay. I see one big downfall here. Hmm. Gas stove. You're going to blow yourself up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good luck. And if it's not this, we know you're going to get something. Yeah, we'll, we'll get something. We have time. Our lease runs out at like the end of March. And even then we can like go month to month if we need to. So, I mean, if, if it's not this, there's some new construction that's further out than we want, but not terrible. So we might look at those and just be like, okay, well, we'll do one month in April and then we can move in. I didn't tell you guys this has happened on Monday. My microwave blew up. Oh God. Yeah. So uh, I was just getting ready in the morning and I put a cup of coffee in there I had made coffee the day before out of the drip. So I was like, okay, I'll just in the spirit of time, since Monday was my first day back at work in like two weeks, I'm just going to throw this coffee in there and heat it up. So I'd throw it in there and uh, like lightning bolts. Oh my God. And I was like, yeah, it's kind of the stereotypical thing. If you put a lot of tinfoil in there, that that will happen. (laughs) There was no metal in there. The cup that I was using was microwave safe. I'd used it before and everything. So I don't know what happened. Two things about that. One is um, when Scott was doing their internship at NASA back in high school, there was a problem all that summer of the microwaves in NASA just catching fire. Yeah. And what happened, like it took them months to figure out what was going on. But what happened is people were, you know, you cover something with a paper towel so it doesn't splash. Yeah. The paper towels were recycled and there was just enough Uh, staples in it. Oh my goodness. So they had to switch. And the other thing was in college, everyone who was living in Scott's apartment was an aerospace engineer, literal rocket scientists. One day I'm over there because I lived over there basically. And I'm doing like my anatomy homework at their table. And Ross comes in, one friend of mine, Ross. He's not a dumb guy. He works at the JPL. Was he a paleontologist? <laughs> I'm sorry. I had yeah, to there. Yeah. But yeah, he works at the, um, the JPL in California. Yeah. But at the time he was working for like the, um, the wind tunnel there at A&M. So he comes home and he pours a bunch of, uh, he pours a can of corn into a metal pot and puts it in the microwave. And I was just about to say something because it dawned on me like, wait, did he just mm-hmm. lightning everywhere? I'm like, Jesus Christ, Ross, I thought you were a fucking rocket scientist. And he's like, <laughs> I know, what the hell? 
<laughs> so I thought maybe, you know, something got on the, the sides or something. And I completely washed it down and rinsed it out and wiped it up and put an, another cup of water, microsavable cup of water in there, turn it back on. Jesus. It's like, oh ah. so I went off to, I was like, screw this. I'll drink my coffee cold and I'll deal with it when I get home. So I got home from work. I'm like, okay, one last try. And, you know, wiped it down, uh, used, used, like, I thought it might be the paper towels, so I used an actual towel, whatever, and cleaned off everything, every the tray, the rotating thing, put it in the sink, rinsed it off, turned it on, like, oh my gosh, and, and, and poof, like, oh. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, I unplugged it, and, uh. It didn't like melt down or anything and wasn't going that long, but it definitely blew something in there. The microwave was from June 2010, so 10 year old microwave. And like, okay, I'm not going to solve this. So I proceeded by doing a lot of research in a microwave. Like, if I'm going to buy a new microwave, I want it to be a good microwave. So I went ahead and got, I just linked it to you guys in the chat. I got this and yes, it's not like 20, 30 bucks, but it's got inverter technology in it, which warms Ooh. it uh, uniformly and not just like on the edges. Like sometimes you put leftovers in there and the, and the middle will still be cold or whatever. Yeah. This, the inverter technology, it works off of a transistor versus a capacitor. There are several microwaves that are inverter technology, but that works great. And it also has a smart sensor. So you could turn it on and it will not undercook or overcook. So you could put popcorn in there with the smart sensor, turn it on, and it will not burn the popcorn. Wow. Huh. The future. Yeah, it was between this and a Panasonic, and I just thought this looked a little bit big, better. This is a, a little bit bigger. I think I had like a 1.2 cubic foot version before. This is 1.6 cubic foot, so it's a little bit bigger. This Panasonic that I was looking at was... 2.2 cubic feet and i just decided i didn't want to take that much counter space on it but apparently you can also get combo convection oven microwaves now mm. uh, i'd elected not to do that because i think one function is enough for a kitchen appliance so oh you say that but the instant pot and air fryers that i have are fantastic i got one for taylor it's a it's a combo like seven in one ninja uh-huh and it, yeah it doesn't work great with anything but anyway this microwave i bought it and then i'm expecting okay it's amazon prime i'm gonna get it in two days two weeks i'm like oh my god so so uh i'm like okay maybe this is just their okay we know it's coming and it's coming soon but we're just gonna tell you it's gonna be longer and then when it shows up earlier you'd be happy it just shipped today it's due here tomorrow okay good 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 so I don't have it, but it's coming. Yeah. Good. My printer, um, the printer head just decided not to work anymore. I yeah. told you guys I had to buy a new printer a couple months ago, right? Yeah. So now it's like, do I even want to buy a new one? It's like, do, I don't really print anywhere. It's still, you know, here's the thing. It still scans. Okay. I, I usually, that's all I, like I scan stuff in. To, you know, fill out forms and, mm-hmm. you know, you type out your form, you, and then I have to email the stuff anyway. So I, I need, I, I need a scanner. But you need to print off the forms a lot of times first. Yeah, but yeah. So now it's just like, I don't, 
I don't I'm going to see how long I can live without an actual printer because I just don't I have other stuff I have a vet bill coming up mm. because mm. the little my vet bills the past year got to my mom adopted a stray who had a kitten uh, so, so two so I had a, a I'm paying for like we split bills and so instead mm-hmm. of me paying for blah 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 she I'm just like covering all the vet bills right now and the little doggy um has lumps has a lump on like her her oh, um behind. Sorry. yeah they're not it, it's just like they're just gross and it and like there's definitely like one coming out and they're like there's so another like, one lipomas basically yeah basically. yeah and it's like you know we just do one and maybe like leave the other and i'm just like no if you're going to put my dog under just get them both out and do the biopsy and all that type of stuff and i just gave my sister all my um my last dog's cancer medication to my sister because she would be the one that would need it next i'm not planning on getting a dog i i love dogs i really do you guys know i volunteered puppy raised so yeah i for service dogs i just i'm not gonna do it i got other things to do with my time right now eventually in a couple years i'll probably reach out and get it but i linked you in the chat the one that i went with it's not necessarily the best one but if you do need a new one this might start your journey when you're searching for it yeah i'll bookmark it thank you the scanner is is really good if you say you like scanning or you have to scan stuff for work and everything mm-hmm. scanner is really good on it it's fast and it works with oh. uh, different sizes I think that might be the one we have or a diff- slightly different model of the one we have. I had an older HP that arguably is better than this, but they don't sell anything like that anymore. So I went with this. It's a three in one. The first thing I did was I printed out a picture on a normal piece of paper and I was shocked at how good the resolution was on the uh, actual printer or the actual picture. And it was on a normal piece of paper. It wasn't on photo paper. So yeah, it's not the cheapest one around, and the um, the print cartridges don't last all that great, which I hate mm-hmm. when they don't last all that long. I buy the XL cartridges, and they still you know, run out. Taylor comes. And I know, out. but I, I have I have that those ink cartridges that I haven't been able to use yet. <laughs> it's, it's so like- I'm on eBay or something because <laughs> yeah, I just bought new ones myself and I installed them. It, so there are, before you do any of that, there are fixes for print heads to take erasers to contacts and to try to clean them up and stuff like that. You might want to try that. I try, I got a cleaning thing and I cleaned it. So you clean the jets. Right. Yeah. The contacts for the electrics sometimes get gunked up. So I clean com- that too. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Same problem I had. Yeah. Put that in. And it's like, missing. Your printer head is missing. You might have the same one I have. What, what, <laughs> do you know what you had? HP. 8210. 80, 86. Or 8610. 8610, yeah. Yeah, I think that was mine. HP 8610. Office Jet Pro 8610. Yep, that's what I had. So you have the exact same thing. Yeah. And I tried to fix it and do all that and it didn't work i brought the cleaning kit that didn't work that pissed me off by the way yeah mm-hmm. i get it. i did the cleaning kit yeah 
I thought about just replacing it, but then I looked online. 150 bucks or something yeah. like that? Yeah. yeah, and it's like, do I spend that much money for that? Which is rebuilt and repurposed. It's not brand new, by the way. Yeah, but then it's like, I hate having, like our microwave went out like a few months ago and then we have like this huge non-working microwave. It's like, where do, it's like the electronic waste that we have. And it's like, I don't know where to, where to, you know, where do we do with broken electronics anymore? <sighs> so Best Buy used to yeah. take stuff like that. They don't I anymore. Don't, they don't. And it's just. I recycle my stuff and I don't even know if it gets recycled. I have a recycling container from my trash and I put it in there, but who knows if it actually ends up going anywhere. Cause I don't, I think most of the stuff just ends up in the dump, but I don't want it here anymore. So yeah. yeah. It's just like the the resources we have in our trash. It's like, I don't, I, we don't need to mine for coal. We need to mine our trash. <laughs> we do for plastic and for, yeah. um, for metal. Mm -hmm. There's just not yeah. a lot of stuff that goes in there. Now the problem is you're going to go in there in metal. If it is true metal, it will just rust away over time. So you got to get it before it gets in there. But plastic that stays there forever. So we could mine plastic because we all yeah. use plastic on a day-to-day -day basis. So Yeah. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2020.